Hi, I'm Coach Tyler Bloom, and this is the Taking Back Football podcast. This episode is a recording of my presentation at the 2019 Iowa High School Athletic Association's Youth Football Summit in March. There, I spoke to and collaborated with youth organizers, high school coaches, and state administrators in an effort to overcome challenges and strengthen youth football models in communities across our state. If you'd like a copy of my presentation slides to follow along, please email me at tylerbloomfootball at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy. I put that sign out at my vendor table when I go to high school coaching clinics. And I watch coaches go by and they're checking out the latest game balls and headsets and all the new equipment. And then they catch that sign. And I see a lot of them stop for a minute and, and have a thought. Some of them come up and talk to me, others keep walking hopefully with a nudge to consider what the sign is asking them, but I think finding the answer to this question is a big reason why we're here today. I'm honored for this opportunity to speak to you. I want to thank Mr. Tharp and Mr. Bestie for your guys' leadership at the state level to have a forum for this conversation. More than ever, we need open lines of communication between football stakeholders at local, regional, and at the statewide level. We must work together collectively to ensure that Iowa's kids are experiencing the best that the game of football has to offer. I know we have a lot of coaches from the IFCA here today, and we'll hear from some of them later this morning. We must call on these coaches and this association to serve as leaders in advancing the youth football conversations in their own community. Finally, thank all the rest of you for being here, for giving up your Saturday for youth football. This tells me that football is important to you, and that you understand that the foundation of the entire sport starts at the youth level. We need to be evaluating the DNA of our programs, which is our development models, core values, philosophies, constantly in a rapidly changing football landscape. So again, thank you for being here to participate. I hope you return to your communities with an energy and a determination to strengthen your community's football model. Also, what we're here for today goes beyond what just happens in your community. We in this room aren't going to make a difference today. We've all got to leave here today and go back to our parts of the state and engage and collaborate with coaches and organizers from neighboring communities as well. Like you, football is really important to me. It was a basis for my education, it's my job, my side hobby, pretty much my livelihood. On a questionnaire for our marriage class, my fiance and I were both asked, does your partner do too much of something? She didn't hesitate in writing football down. Luckily, she likes football too, so I can get away with it most of the time. For better or for worse, though, I'm a football coach, uh, I can't help it, and I live football. You can see here that I've worn a, a lot of hats in nearly a decade of coaching and organizing youth football. Some of these are local programs, some of them are within the school district. One of them is kind of a statewide thing. And then I've worked with various youth and high school programs across the state. In all, I've gotten an up-close and hands-on experience in learning how organizers and coaches and parents operate within Iowa's youth football scene. I'm a coach at heart, but I coach more often in a camp setting. I don't have a game to win or playing time to manage. I'm mostly coaching technique and trying to help each player improve regardless of where they are. This, is some, this reminds me of something I call the youth coaches dilemma, which I think we can get into later if there's some time. I've coached some teams in the past, and I get that itch, and we'll do it again someday. But I like coaching in a camp setting a lot more. But along with my coaching, I do have quite a bit of coordinating experience and experience coaching coaches. So the purposes, for the purposes of this conversation, I've tried to curate my message with that hat on. One uh, entity I'll highlight up there is Red Zone Football Academy in the top left-hand corner. That's where I got my start. I was backed by a baseball and softball academy in Iowa City, and they pretty much gave me free reign to start the football portion of the business. 
I'll admit that I was a little bit naive at first and thought we could just pound a sign in the ground and say former Iowa football player doing youth football camps and people would be down the doors. Again, it's 10 years later and I'm still trying to figure out how to get them to do that. But we have grown a little bit. In addition to off-season camps and clinics at Red Zone, six years ago we started our first through sixth grade flag football. Uh, last fall we had 600 players. Here was our niche. We offered an organized and high-quality football experience that filled the void between rec flag football and club tackle football. The rec options that were existing were not very high quality, and even at the fifth, sixth grade level, kids didn't even have an option to play flag football. So we got reports from a lot of parents that felt like they were forced to putting their kids in tackle football before they were ready. The Red Zone League gave parents an option for their players to experience high-quality, non-tackle football through sixth grade. Through six years, uh, one thing I've kept an eye on is our fifth and sixth grade numbers because that's in Iowa City area when they do have the option to go play tackle. And in all six years, our fifth, sixth grade numbers have continued to grow. Despite the fact I know there are some whole teams after their fourth grade year that go on to play tackle football. I'm hopeful this means that more kids in our community are playing football and the reports from the varsity coaches around the area are starting to show that to be true. During the early years of Red Zone, I began to realize my calling to coach and also started to understand that to make a real impact at the youth level, I would need to dig deeper into the model itself. Plus, I needed to pursue some additional work if I was going to try being a football coach full-time. I knew some of the stuff I was offering at Red Zone and some of the youth initiatives that I was tracking could be applied on a larger scale. As a result, I started taking back football. Everybody asks me what that means or what it stands for. I'm not talking about taking it back to the old school, although there are some good old school principles that will always ring true in the game. And we do have to figure out how to apply these in a more sensitive era. But taking back football is a call for football coaches and the football community to take control of the direction of the game, which is currently under attack. As some guys have already talked about this morning, we've got lawmakers considering bills to change football. Uh, a media environment that sensationalizes a concussion crisis and other negative aspects of the sport. We've got power-hungry and meathead coaches with misprioritized objectives. Uh, scared moms and even some dads out there that are outright trying to disallow their kids from playing football or, or push them into a, a different sport. They all think they know what's good and bad for and about football. They're not the ones we should listen to. These people aren't the best suited for making decisions that shape the youth game. Who is? football coaches are, not guys who coach football. Another great sign would read, you know, a recent Morgan quote that said, are you a football coach or do you coach football? I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But us football coaches had better not fail this game, this game that makes us who we are. I don't think this game is going anywhere. I don't think it's going to be taken away from us. But it does need to change and evolve. And we can either take control of that or we can lose control of that. And if we sit back and don't do anything, these are the voices that are going to shape our game. That's what taking back football is about. That's what I'm about. Making sure that as a youth community, we're on our game. Making sure that we're calling upon truly qualified coaches to be part of the conversation and decision-making process at the game's foundational level. I could also call it bringing forward football because it's an effort to educate and support youth organizers and coaches, those volunteers who perhaps do just coach football, and I work to help them in their roles and responsibilities in providing the modern game. Now, I don't have all the answers, and I, I don't want to sit here and talk at you the whole time, but I'd, li I'd like to lead a discussion um, on youth football. I'm making a concerted effort this year 
and going forward to collaborate more with others. I've primarily kind of been a one-man band doing this for a while, and I've realized that just as in football, that I can do more, that we can do more as a team together. So, sorry if your league or program is not represented up there. I just pulled the ones I could kind of find logos for, but we've got some statewide agencies at the top, um, Parks and Rec in there, and then some of our club programs or, or leagues that are around the state. I thought some of the best stuff from the summit last year came from people sharing about the problems they've encountered in their programs, solutions, and the discussions and the debate that we all continue to face. So please engage and share at any time. I know there's some time built in later for some small group stuff. I definitely brought a notebook and plan to steal from all your guys' good ideas too, so please don't hesitate to share. Before I move on to the next section, let me get a sense of the room a little bit. How many of you were here last year? Only a couple. Well, thanks to those of you that weren't here that uh, made the trip this year. Anybody here with an unaffiliated travel team? So you're, you don't identify with a town or a school, you're just with the travel team? Probably not. I know there's a lot of affiliate clubs here, so these would be your feeder programs. A lot of them participate in YSF, who I know is back here. Any one-town leagues, like you're through the YMCA or the Parks and Rec Department, right there? Obviously, we have a lot of coaches here that work within the school district. We're coming from a, a lot of different angles here. But who we do have in the room are the most important people in the sport. Youth football organizers and coaches have the most important and difficult roles in the sport, in my opinion. That's us. That's through the NFL. Why it's most important. First, you hold the first impression with this sport for kids. All right, we all know people we meet, places we go, food we eat. You either get a good or a bad first impression a lot of times. We hold that first impression with the sport of football for these kids. This first impression lasts over several years. It's not just the first season that they play. I would argue that the first impression is the whole bottom block there of youth football. The kids' relationship with the sport is going to be forged by the environments that their organizers and their coaches place them in when they first start out. That's important. And also, player retention. Your kids have got to like it enough to keep coming back. We'll probably hear that a lot today. You've got to give them experiences that impact them positively, make them feel safe, involved, and important. If we fail, they never make it up to even you know, the junior high or the high school block, which is you know, already halfway up the pyramid on kind of the continuum of the sport there. With this important comes greater responsibility now than ever before. We cannot think and coach the way that we are coached. We must blend the game's core values, those old school ethos of toughness, discipline, persistence, with the modern day sport. One that's accelerating in both innovation and player safety. Why do we have the most difficult job? First, the kids you're working with, they don't have the body structure to perform some simple movements consistently, let alone complex ones that are called for in football. But we're the ones that have to deal with that and try to teach football. We're tasked to introduce and teach tackling and contact safely, yet these kids haven't even experienced tackling and contact unsafely, which is to be expected when they're starting out. How does this set up for a first impression? Next is game knowledge development. Kids don't know that much about football. They know basic rules like touchdowns and first downs, but very few have a clue about technique or position strategies. I've coached through the different camps I'm part of and participate with about 2,500 kids a year. There's even some high school kids that I just, sometimes I turn around and say, oh, I was never that dumb, was I? Uh, I'm sure you guys have those moments as well, but what, what I'm getting at is even if the players <clears throat> did have a body development to perform what you're coaching them on, some of them aren't going to understand what you're trying to get them to do, and it's, it's quite a challenge. It causes you to have to be a really versatile communicator, which is the next, 
Next point there. Um, you've got to be versatile and uh, humble enough to adapt your communication skills to the kids at the age that you coach. There's an Einstein quote that I usually use when I talk about this, and it's something to the effect of, if you can't explain something to an eight-year-old, you don't know it that well yourself. I've had a lot of coaches in our programs that are talking to kids in complex terms that they hear on Saturdays and Sundays when they watch it on TV, and most of the time the kid doesn't even know if he's on offense or defense when, they, when the guy's talking to him. So your ability to communicate with kids that have quite a generational gap from you and being able to get your communication style down on their level rather than expect them to all of a sudden be smart enough to understand what you're talking about is a real challenge. And the generational gap is that kids are much different than the way that we were when we were playing youth football. They've grown up in a totally different world than you and I did and we, we can't coach them how we were coached. Lastly, the youth football coaches and administrators got to wear a lot of hats. Not only are you coaching the team, you're in charge of a lot of administrative duties, maybe doing some marketing for your program, you got to get equipment ready, schedule practice, answer parent questions. Probably more hats to wear than a lot of the guys at the high school staff because there's usually somebody for each of those individual tasks, offense, defense, special teams, equipment, athletic trainer, and things like that. So as one of the keepers of the game, we've got to be well-versed in dealing with all these important and difficult elements of youth football. It seems like a lot. It is. After all, you have the most critical role in the sport. Failure at the base of the pyramid is going to make everything else above it crumble. In order to aid with this, I challenge you and encourage you to consider your community's football development model. I think we'll hear quite a bit about football development models later today, but within that is creating multiple entry points, having a plan for contact, acclimation, and having options for your parents to choose what type of football their kids are going to play. Like I said with red zone, at fifth and sixth grade, parents had the choice between two quality options, flag or tackle. They didn't have to say, hey, we're going to go play tackle because the flag program is just really low quality. I, I think parents need those options to decide when their kids are ready to take those next steps. I think we could blow up the youth football block on the pyramid and have a complete pyramid with that of all the different development models and curriculums and formats that you could consider at the youth football level, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that later today. In evaluating your programs, first you need to figure out who the decision makers are that are currently in place. How many of you are a little bit like me and you fill both a coordinator and a coach role? You, you simultaneously coach and coordinate. I mean, sometimes you're the only guy, you're, you might be the only guy uh, available to do it or willing to do it. In any case, consider what is the administrative or the decision-making structure within your programs. You might be a town coordinator. Uh, you, may have, you may be part of a community program uh, held within your town that has a board. Um, you may be part of a league that has you are a representative for your town within the entire league, parks and rec directors, whatever the case may be. Uh, in terms of this decision-making process, I would ask you to consider are there multiple perspectives involved in this or does it come down to one or two people are going to be making all the decisions. And do these people also coach? In my opinion, I think too many of us, our task is being coordinators and coaches simultaneously. I think a coordinator's job is to set and hold the coaches to the standards and the object objectives that your program identifies as being important. Sometimes that's hard to do because you're out there as the coach and, and the game gets close and it's easy to forget about some of those objectives when the score's tied late in the game and you want to go win that game. But I think if you can separate those, that would be helpful. I also think you should try to aim and have non-parent representatives on your board or administrative process, people who don't have kids in the program. 
And sometimes when I'm asking these questions, so my next one is, how many of you have a child in the program you're a part of? I'm not necessarily asking you directly, but consider it in terms of the makeup of your board and the people in your community. If you have a child in the program you're part of, you may have a potential conflict of interest despite your best intentions. <coughs> it's true that many coaches are hardest on their own kids, but we all know instances in which parents have gotten involved seemingly to influence their own kid's playing time, position, or feature his abilities. Regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, answer me this, or ask your parents, how many of you will still be involved in our program after your kid ages out? If you're not, or if those people aren't, it's hard for me to believe that they're considering the needs of every kid as much as they are their own. That's not wrong. That's normal. That's, it's part of the current youth football model. We're going to rely and need parent and volunteer coaches to do this. But we also need some objective input involvement from non-parent football coaches. I'll get back to the uh, Reese Morgan quote here about are you a football coach or do you coach football? Are you a football player? Do you play football? It could be applied the same ways. For the purposes of this conversation, we'll distinguish them as big C coaches and little C coaches. Every podcast I listen to that has a coach on it, he says his job is as a teacher, first and foremost. Teachers are versed in communicating with a variety of young individuals every day, and they're best equipped at serving the educational needs of a group of young people. It's what they're trained to do. Big C coaches, they are, in many cases, employed by the school district. They have that interaction and connection with, with those kids every day, and they're versed at, at dealing with them. They're also tasked with a lot of continuing professional development and coaching certification. Now, I know a lot of the programs that may not be directly involved with the school, such as YSF, require their coaches now to do the USA Football Heads Up Tackling Certification, and I know that's becoming a big thing, which I think is great, and the youth programs need to continue to press their coaches to educate themselves beyond what they see on TV or what they experience when they, when they play the game. There's so many resources out there today for continuing education. USA Football has a ton of youth-specific resources that you can pull from. There's a Glazier's Clinic here in town today and, and all over the country. X and O's Labs. You can get a lot of information on player safety and data just by searching you know, Twitter for some art, or uh, Google for some articles. And I've recently started to get big in the Twitter community because there's so many coaches that just post their drills and all their stuff that you, know, you don't have to really invent anything. You can steal what you find as important and apply it at your level. But I think it's really important that we get some input from coaches who are continually pursuing this type of information. Um, there's high school programs are taking their entire staff to coaching clinics. These big C coaches are involved with the issues and the debates of the sport continually throughout the year. I'll close on this from this slide. Does your program have the voice of a football coach involved in the decision-making process? Or could you get more of your guys who coach football to become football coaches? When you do get the right people in the room and you get at the table to talk, how do we do youth football in our community? This is usually what comes of it. You start with a discussion or a conversation about what is most important. What are our program's objectives, core values, philosophy? What is our football development model? When considering this, I would urge you to begin with the end in mind. Think about what you want your kids exiting your program to have learned. Some items that could come up and fall within these categories are player retention. To me, that should be highest on everybody's list of what are the objectives of our program are. We know that numbers are declining. We've got to change that. Critical physical skills to be taught. That comes up a lot. I talked to a high school coach from a Des Moines school. I'm going to be doing a camp 
here in Des Moines and some of the youth players in their program uh, will probably be at the camp tonight. He's a wide receivers coach. And I said, when we get receivers out there, are there any specific routes you want me to teach them or terminologies that they should be exposed to before they come to the high school program? He looked at me and he said, Tyler, I want them to look the ball in when they catch it. He said, I got kids that come out on the high school field that can't catch the ball and they, and they literally don't look the ball in. They haven't been trained to stand there and catch the ball and, and look it in. I work with other kids who, you know, they can throw a 20-yard pass, bullet pass, touch pass, moving target, stationary target, hit them right in the numbers. They go to take a snap from the center and they fumble it every time because they never practice that. But that's what coaches mean when they, when they tell you that the core objective is to teach the physical and basic skills of the game starting from the very base level and repping it over and over and over again and getting it to where they don't necessarily have to think about it. When I work with quarterbacks, we spend our first session on handoffs all the time and their eyes, their eyes start to get you know, a little bit down because they want to come here and throw the ball. Well, they can't turn around and hand off a dive play without running into the running back. That's important. Probably going to put that play in at the youth level before you start throwing the ball around. So think about how can you really get down to the base level, or that's think about the critical skills that are important in your program in that much detail. What interpersonal skills are going to be taught? Or is there going to be an emphasis placed on character development in your program? Playing time philosophy needs to be discussed. What is our playing time philosophy? Are we keeping score? Are we keeping record? Do we have playoffs? What should our curriculum or our football development model be? There's a lot of buzzwords in the industry now, you know, like contact literacy or contact acclimation. Do you have a plan for that? Or is it straight from no contact to full contact? These need to be discussed among football coaches along with those who coach football in your communities. I heard something on a podcast recently, a coach out of Ohio, who talked about goal versus purpose. He said our goal is to win every game. When we take the field, our goal is to win, but that's not our purpose. And I would urge you, when thinking about this, to consider your purpose more so than your goal. What happens when you don't have the right people in the room? One issue I see with the youth football model, and perhaps it applies to other sports as well, is that there's a little bit of a lack of centralized oversight. Some organizers and coaches have no one to answer to, or if they don't like how their team or their program does it, they just got to get enough people to go start a new team with them or a new program. And they can enter tournaments and, and kind of operate as, as a lone wolf. Sometimes they're competing for the same kids within the same communities to be, hey, come be part of our team or come be part of our program. There's not always someone holding us accountable in terms of how we make decisions. It's a bit of a high <coughs> to think that this type of oversight could actually be put in place. But I think the Football Coaches Association, the IFCA, backed by their state athletic association, is a good place to start. Someone must push youth leaders, those who aren't football coaches, to honestly evaluate how we operate and consider what's most important in a changing football landscape. It's not necessarily about oversight as it is about uh, support and involvement. We need the voice of our high school coaches influencing the youth football programs within their communities. So what happens when you do get the right people in the room having these conversations? They ask why a lot. They want to have an answer or a reason for everything. So in regards to the operations of your program, if I were to ask you about anything, why do you do it that way? For example, grades. So your program may have third and fourth grade play together. Your program may have third and fourth grade separate. There's valid reasons on both sides. Maybe you're from a small town and you have to have those two grades together just to field the team. Or if you're from bigger towns, you might not have that need. Whatever the case may be, if your answer for why you do something is because that's the way we've always done it, uh, do me a favor, 
not asking you to change it, but I'm sure your programs do some great things, and I know I could learn a lot from you guys, but consider answering the question, why do we do it that way? Ask opinions of others. Honestly assess why you choose one path over another, and have a reason, get input from those around you who, who might be more experienced than you. Look how many rules the NFL and college football and even on down change every season. And they've got all big C coaches. If we think we've got it all figured out at the youth level, we're nuts. Be willing to evolve, adapt, experiment, and coach. I think that slide says a lot. We all talk about and are prideful in that football is the ultimate team game. We talk about 10 guys doing one thing right and one guy doing something wrong and the play's ruined. I think we need to take that approach when it comes to how does our community do football from the bottom to the top. We need all, all stakeholders and decision makers in your community involved in answering the question, how do we do youth football? You want to discourage and negate members from your community from doing it on their own. Strength in numbers will drive some of those lone wolf opportunities. If you do have a problem with the football development model in your community, be a leader and collaborate with others rather than going out on your own. I do want to compliment those organizations that already do have boards in place. We heard from some people, some, a couple of parents here last year that were kind of the leaders of their youth football program, but there was no board in place. They had no succession plan. They were a little bit behind the ball, but, but those of you who've got a, a board in place already have a good process started. In many cases, the collections of maybe small towns or medium-sized towns that play within a league together or a large metro area where a lot of school districts are represented uh, within a league. In either case, I encourage you to work in alliance with your high school football program. Have open lines of communication and demand their input. I know there's a lot of even affiliate or club programs that use the high school's logos and colors that may not have all that much of a connection to the program. I know there are some that probably are fully connected as well. I mean, probably got cases all over the board here uh, in the state. And as Mr. Tharp mentioned, I've heard from a lot of coaches who have a problem at the junior high level. They've got that coach who's been there for 20 years, coaches the way he coached 20 years ago or learned before that, and the varsity coach has no pull to really tell him how he needs to coach or to find a new coach. I would hesitate wanting to even be a varsity coach in that district because everybody's not together or on the same page. So how do you navigate within a community that isn't connected? or when you disagree with how a club or a league or the rec or the YMCA program does youth football. I'd go to the high school coach first and foremost. Voice your issue with the current model and see if he's interested in taking a leadership role and bringing stakeholders to the table in your town to assess the youth football model. If you get that opportunity to sit with the coach, some questions you should ask him. First, ask him if he knows what you guys do, all right? Make him take a vested interest in just understanding what your football development model is if he, if he has been withdrawn and doesn't have a clue. Open it up to him to tell you if there's anything he'd like to see you guys do differently. Have enough humility and be willing to just say, hey, what do you think we should be doing? You can ask him about what the objectives should be, what type of development model will best lead us to achieve these objectives. Ask him where you can practice and play. I know a lot of youth programs don't have the best practice or, or game set up Ask that coach. Most of them are willing to invite you or help you out with a place to practice or play. And the last one, will your staff be accessible? Ask them to be come to your board meetings or have a representative from the high school program that is involved in your decision-making process. Why don't high school coaches get involved with the youth program more? One coach told me time. 
I don't think this is a viable excuse anymore. If you're a varsity high school football coach, I believe that you're obligated to devote time or to devote resource to the youth football program in your community. My next point that I have written down is Meathead Leader. We've all seen him. I had, you know, maybe some of them on the slides. You guys are all here, so of course none of you guys are like that, but uh, you've probably been across the sideline from some of those guys. But like we talked about earlier, sometimes that leader coordinator really has nobody to answer to. The high school coach could go talk with him and say, hey, I really think we should consider doing things differently, and he can go tell him to go fly a kite and say, this is how we're doing it. A lot of cases, the high school coach maybe doesn't want to be put in that situation, so they kind of just stay back and hands off. And, and another one is a lot of offshoots. So I mentioned that, you know, one dad gets mad at this club or team, so he's going to go start his own team. And then somebody on that team doesn't like the way that they're doing it, so they go start another team. So now this coach has a bunch of different organizations operating underneath them, and if he goes and gets involved with one, then maybe the other ones get mad. And for political reasons, that guy just kind of stays withdrawn and hands off. We need to build those bridges and make sure that's not the case. So if you're in a community that isn't connected, your agenda or your goal is simply to try to broker a meeting between all these parties involved in the youth football model in your town. That's not easy to do. Some people aren't necessarily always willing to come uh, and want to work together. But the agenda for that meeting should consist of two things. Number one, how do we currently offer youth football? What opportunities, when, what is the format, lay out what the current state of it is, and then collectively uh, ask yourselves, how do we want kids to experience football? from the bottom of the top in this program. Evaluate what's currently in place versus what you all think is important or should be in place. If a party or a league or a program doesn't want to meet or collaborate, try to figure out why. Try to understand why they have differences and how you can combat those. And in certain cases, you may have to agree to disagree. Ask the high school coach if he'll publicly support a different option. Sometimes this is where it gets a little bit muddy. The, the coach doesn't want to say, I believe this program is better than that program because now he's essentially telling parents of kids who are going to come through his program soon that they're wrong, and that's not an easy thing to do. Another place you can look is for like-minded support in the neighboring community. Are there other youth organizers in towns close by that have thoughts that are aligned with yours that you can perhaps get together with on a program or start a league? Also, I won't get too deep into it, but consider what happens when the high school coach leaves. Is there a, a program in place that respects the position of the high school coach enough that whoever comes into that seat is going to be allowed to be <coughs> part of the youth football program? Or when the high school coach leaves, are all the wolves going to come back in and try to take over and, and do things their way? You create and communicate the culture of your community or school through your sports programs. I'm sure you can immediately think of schools that always send teams to state tournaments, leg legacy schools that are always good in certain sports, and I'm sure you can think of schools where the opposite is true. Uh, in either case, what does it say about the people there, and what does it say about their youth sports models? Think about the communal and systemic effort it must take to sustain success over a long period of time. They're together. For football, these schools come to my mind, hopefully you all recognize this immediately, but Bettendorf, Harlan, Regina and Solvin. I'm sure you can think of others around the, your area of the state that are, they're just always good. These programs have an identity. They're one from top to bottom. The culture of the high school program trickles down. If you dug down into their youth football programs, I guarantee you will see their high school coaches and their staff's fingerprints all over it. Even on a larger scale, 
they probably affect the entire athletic department in their, in their whole school. If that doesn't encourage your pride, I don't know what will. I hope it encourages you to work tirelessly and together to set a tone throughout your community and send a message to everyone around that your town does it right, does it together, and that those that come up against you are going to go against your whole damn town every time they step on the field. I'll close with this. It's hard to tell someone that what you think they're doing is wrong. It's harder to hear, and it's hardest to admit and change. With this Sun Tzu quote up here, I definitely think there are an infinite variety of circumstances swirling around youth football right now. I often tell players I coach, sometimes you have to do something wrong before you can learn to do it right. We've been doing something wrong in youth football. The proof of that, the declines in participation have been trending for 10 years now. I think Mr. Tharp's slide went back to 2008. When are we going to wake up? When are big C coaches going to take action? We need to evolve. We need to unite. Big C coaches must demand to be involved, and all of the youth football bodies in town should expect them to be. For the sake of the game, and for the sake of the kids who carry its future, let's get together and get it fixed. Let's all take a seat at the table and strengthen our ranks from bottom to top. Thank you.